You're listening to the Pop Tart Podcast. Girls down. You already know. You are a boss bitch from the very first scene. Women are taking a chance on me sometimes where men aren't. Learning how to rap was truly one of the hottest things I've done and absolutely terrifying. Dolly Parton is a magical unicorn. But it was amazing. Dolly was like, it's okay, you're doing great. You're doing so good. That helps you gain confidence and be like, oh, my voice matters and it is okay to speak up. Hello. Hello. And welcome to Pop-Tarts. Beep, 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 beep. I'm Emily Rems. I'm Callie Watts. We're both editors of Bust Magazine in New York City. We love talking to each other about pop culture. We love talking to you about pop culture. And today's guest has been lighting up screens, large and small, with her plucky personality and big girl badassery for the last decade. Danielle McDonald is an Australian actress, but you would never know it based on her spot-on 2017 performance as Jersey rapper Patty Dombrowski in the indie hit Patty Cakes, or by her star turn in 2018 as a Dolly Parton-obsessed Texas teen in Dumplin'. She's also had notable roles in Bird Box, Skin, and Unbelievable, just to name a few. And now she is back with another starring role as a gal with a dream in the IFC film Falling for Figaro, a romantic comedy set in the world of competitive opera singing that just opened in theaters and on demand October 1st. I can't wait to talk to her all about it. Welcome, Danielle McDonald, to the show. You're here. Yay. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we are delighted to be speaking with you today. I uh, would like you to take me back to the beginning. You are a queen of American regional accents, and yet you're actually Australian. Tell me about your early life, how you ended up on our shores, and how you got your big break in Hollywood. Uh, sure. I um, Yeah, I, I am Australian, and I, I grew up there. My mom is actually Italian, and my dad is Australian, and um, they... Uh, we, we grew up in Australia, but I still have a lot of family in Italy as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I identify with those two countries and, um, I, I fell in love with acting as a teenager, honestly. And I, I ended up getting a job in America. That was kind of what brought me out here. So it was, was literally just, um, one of those crazy situations where I went on my first ever audition and I booked it, which is, uh, do people hate you so much for that? I, it sounds, it sounds ridiculous and it sounds absurd, but I, the, the hard part was like me booking that job. Um, I, I didn't get my visa in time to do the job. Oh, so I didn't get to do it. So, <laughs> um, that kind of sucked actually, <laughs> but it did, you know, allow me the chance to come out here and start from scratch. Um, so it, it's pretty sobering in a good way. Like it really makes you work hard, realize it doesn't come that easy and, you know, you kind of have to persevere. I've been out here since 2010. So that's yeah it's it's I've been in America for almost a, or for over 11 years now which is crazy to think about honestly and you were still a teenager when you came here to work right yeah I moved out here a month before my 19th birthday so I was still 18 amazing yeah. you know before I get going asking about your specific film roles I would like to speak with you more generally about representation for plus-size women in leading roles in film and how important I feel that your work is to the culture in general. I am 16 years older than you are, so I did not have a Danielle McDonald to watch as a round little kid growing up, but I did discover Ricky Lake's performance in Hairspray in 1988. It literally changed my life. Was there anyone in pop culture that inspired you in this way? And now how does it feel to be that person for so many young women? 
Well, this is kind of hilarious, but in uh, 10th grade, I went on a trip to New York and I saw Hairspray live on Broadway. And Hairspray was also what was the first time I felt myself represented as well. Oh, twinsies. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think that also shows the lack of roles for plus size women at that, at that time. And it's just, um, yeah, that, that was, that was what hooked me in as well, honestly. Like, it was it I think it's still one of my favorite shows to this day. And part of me is like it's obviously because it's amazing and it touches on so many issues in society. It was kind of well ahead of its time, but but at the same time, I, I think it was also the first time I felt represented and I felt kind of seen. I was like, oh wow, like that's really cool and really exciting. And I didn't realize how much I needed that, you know, which is the crazy thing. Um so yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely helps. Um, and then I don't know, maybe I, I don't really know where I, I got the confidence from to just do this because, uh, you know, when there aren't many roles out there for people that look like you, you're like, is there even opportunity? And, you know, I got told growing up a lot and not in a mean way, but, just in a way of like, you you might go to America and just come back disappointed because there aren't the roles for you. And I had agents in Australia and I never got one audition. And so it was kind of just people being realistic. But I was like, well, like the, this realistic nature sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, I, it just sucks. Like I want to work. This is crazy. And so I was very much okay with just like little bit roles. And I was like, whatever, I really want to do this. And I think I developed a pretty thick skin pretty early on because – in this industry, you know, it's it's constant with the she's to this, she's to that, to even to even book anything kind of thing. Um, but the first job I booked was actually uh, a plus sized show. It, it was it was called Huge on ABC Family. I don't know if you ever saw it. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, so I booked a role on that. That was the one that I couldn't do, but um, that was kind of a show where all of a sudden there was like. I don't know. I was like, wait, there's a role that I can play. It only lasted one season. Um, but yeah, it, it was just kind of like, okay, well, if there's one show, surely there'll be another or another or something else will come up. And so, yeah, I don't really know. It, it definitely took a while. And there were definitely times where it was, you know, you'd get briefs and breakdowns for, um, you know, kind of like someone that's the butt of a joke and it's like two scenes and it's like, they're just being made fun of. And my managers would never let me go in for that. And I was like, okay, but I want to work. And they're like, no, honey, like that's not, no, that's, that's, that's not okay. And I, I, I love how much they protected me that way and how much they could see my potential and care about me as a human being and not just see me as like filling a category, I guess, which is a lot of what, agents do in this world. You know what I mean? It's their job. So it was, um, it was really nice having that support. I think that was so incredibly helpful, but, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where this industry is constantly changing and it makes me so excited. Every time I see a plus size person on screen, I'm, I'm just like, oh wow, we're branching out finally. Like there's more roles, there's more visibility and it's always exciting. Like in, and it's so funny because I think that a lot of people think there's a lot of competition in this world, in this, in the entertainment industry. And there is, cause you're competing for a certain amount of roles, but I've always found that it's so exciting to me when there are more plus size people working. I don't see it as competition. I'm like, there's more visibility. We're lifting each other up and there's more, like the more of us that actually get seen, the more roles there will be. It shouldn't just mm-hmm. be three people competing for like one role every like year or something that's ridiculous so it just makes me so incredibly happy yeah this show's producer and I we were just talking last night about how you and Lizzo and A.D. Bryant and a few others represent to us like where the it girls need to be right now like you were just talking about your handlers your managers not letting you be in roles that are degrading in roles that would make, um, plus size women who are so 
so desperate for representation in media have to go through feeling like crap before getting the goods. You know what I mean? And now we don't have to. And I think it's because of performers like like you and the other women that I mentioned that things are finally moving forward. I wonder, is it ever, I don't want to say a bummer, but maybe like complicated to be singled out in this way that other um, more, let's say, uh, traditional looking actors are? I mean, yeah, it, it definitely can be. I think the hard thing is like there there are a lot more roles and there is a lot more visibility, but at the same time, there there's also a hell of a lot less roles. So, you know, I'm, um, I know I have a lot of friends that go in for roles all the time and are constantly seen for all these different kinds of roles. And I think the hard part is, you know, maybe an opportunity comes along once every six months or once a year. And, and it's one of those situations where people can't really, people have very certain images in mind and like a plus size woman still is not their image for their films usually, unless it's specifically written that way. So I think that's, that's honestly the harder part than talking about it really. Cause it's just like, that's just the reality. Um, and there are more roles and it does keep changing. So that's all a good thing, but yeah, cause a lot of the time the roles are specifically written for a plus size woman, which is, which is great because I think it helps to be able to express the different experiences that we have in life. And like, I love that, but it's also really nice sometimes when you do get to just play a role that has absolutely nothing to do with you being a plus size woman. And they're like, Hey, I wrote a role for a woman. Do you want to play that role? And I'm like, this could have been anyone. And that's kind of really nice in a way as well. Cause I'm like, you're just seeing me as a person because I am also just a person. I do have different experiences because of how I look. Yes. But I also am just a woman in this world and there's two sides to that. So I think I truly love getting to explore both. Um, it's yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Um, talking about it and getting singled out for it. It's, I mean, it's also part of it. Do you know what I mean? It is yeah. part of the experience. So it's it doesn't really phase me that much because if we're talking about it, then at least it's out there. It's in, in a different – like we can talk about it the way that we want to talk about it versus other people putting ideas on us. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm trying yeah. to say? I do yeah. know what you're trying to say, and I agree. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I am ready now to talk about your new IFC film, Falling for Figaro, which I just thought was adorable, and I enjoyed it very much. Um, in this movie, you play a wealthy American fund manager working in London who leaves her job and her very hot boyfriend <laughs> to train as an opera singer in Scotland with an eccentric retired diva. And your character spends a year training for a spot in something called Singer of Renown, which is a contest. It's basically like the voice for opera. In your career up until this point, I've heard you rap in Patty Cakes. I've heard you sing Dolly Parton's greatest hits in Dumplin'. But how in the world did you prepare to carry this film in which you were depicted either learning to sing opera or making us believe that you are very good at singing opera for yeah. almost the entire film? I assume that much of it was dubbed. Yes. But you yes. can't just you can't just fake opera singing like you can fake other things like how much training did you actually have to do to pull this off because I was pretty impressed I think well thank you for a start <laughs> but I mean yes it is not my voice um I do have an actual very very good trained opera singer play, like singing for for me so that is yeah, not my voice, but I did have to train a lot actually because I still had to perform it. Um, so you have to learn how to breathe, how to hold your body, how to like release these notes. Um, and they got someone that matches my pitch. Um, all of that because 
it realistically had to to be me singing. So on set, I was singing. They just, you know, replaced me with someone that didn't sound awful <laughs> like I did is the best way to put it. I mean, I am not a singer. I'm not a singer. Uh, learning how to rap was truly one of the hottest things I've done and absolutely terrifying. But I think mentally I was like, you know what? It's kind of spoken word in a way. So I can get around it in my head. Like I'm not good, you know. And then uh, singing along to Dolly Parton songs, I was also like, we're allowed to be bad. We don't have to be good. And Odea and I were having so much fun singing together and we made each other worse. It was hilarious. We were like, (laughs) but this is fun. And this is what you do with your friends. And then um, for this, I – I'd, I'd never heard of a repetitor before, but um, I started training with a repetitor and they basically are like opera. They're, they they go with the opera and they're, um, they can sing, they play piano. So they're always like, they train with opera singers, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, so that was actually really fascinating. I learned about so many things I had no idea about. And I had vocal lessons all the time. Um, I was practicing. We had a repetitor called Beth, and she was amazing. She saved us in Scotland. We we literally had vocal lessons with her like every night just learning the songs because not only was I learning opera, I was learning it in three different languages. Mm. Like not one of these songs was in English. (laughs) It was in – there was – I think there there was multiple in Italian – there was German. One in, yeah, a couple in German, I think. And then there was one in, I remember there were three different languages. I shot this two years ago. So sorry if my memory is <laughs> it was pre COVID. Um, yeah. And the, oh, gosh, what was the other one? I'm not entirely sure, but there were three different languages that I was learning these songs in. So I also had to learn the meaning of what I was saying while singing words that I didn't understand. Oh, my God. And then the funny thing was I was actually shooting another movie right before this. Um, And I I finished filming and that same day I flew to Scotland to start this one the next day. So I was also trying to learn these songs while I was filming another movie and learning the lines for that. So (laughs) it was um, somewhat overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it was – Honestly, like, yeah, I don't know. I had to sing on set and it was absolutely my worst nightmare. And I was always like, you guys are dubbing this. So turn that music up really loudly so that I can at least sing along with it. You're never going to hear it. It's fine. (laughs) They were like, okay. You know, something else that I appreciated and I found intriguing about your performance in Falling for Figaro is this. In your previous films, Patty Cakes and Dumplin', and even in my beloved Hairspray, the plucky heroine is depicted enduring all manner of fatphobic ridicule and abuse before she's somehow able to rise above it all and assert herself as a star. But in Falling for Figaro, you are a boss bitch from the very first scene. You come right out of the gate looking polished and gorgeous with a nice place and a nice car and colleagues who are enthusiastically kissing your ass. Within, I, I actually timed it, within the first five minutes of the film, the very, very hot Shazad Latif, who many people know as Ash from Star Trek Discovery, is making it clear how very much he wants to bone you. And then <laughs> once your character arrives in Scotland, Hugh Skinner, who you were just talking about, who uh, I know as the adorable dude from Fleabag, mm-hmm. he starts pining after you right I mean, not right away, but pretty close. There's no glow up here. You start out amazing and you remain that way. And then you find different ways to be amazing, which I found, you know, subtly revolutionary. Tell me your thoughts on the ways in which your character, Millie, bucks convention in this way where like she didn't have to. I mean, the ways in which she was humiliated were like pretty much entirely talent based. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, cool. How cool is that? Um, you know, that was the funny thing. I actually, I read the script and I said to my manager, I was like, I'm I'm not right for this. I'm not going to get this. But like this girl, I one of my friends, she actually sings opera. She'd be amazing for this. And he's like, honey, they're interested in you. And I was like, no, they're not going to be. Like, yeah, I get it. They're sending it to me, but they're actually not going to be. 
And then I got the offer and I was honestly, truly, truly, really confused. Um, I was like, what are you talking about? This is a love interest in a rom-com that seems completely in control that this, yeah, like this, these guys are just pining over. I was like, that's very, that doesn't, I don't get those roles, I guess is the best way to put it. And, um, it was, it was really confusing to me. I was like, why did I get this? And I spoke to the director, I met with him on like zoom and he was just like, yeah, I think you'd be great for it. And he and his wife is a producer um, they, it would just, it didn't even cross their mind. Like it really didn't. And he, um, he is disabled, our director. And so he actually really, really just kind of costs, costs always with just an open mind. It's just like people are people. And he, um, you know, he, he did the movie, the sessions. I don't know if you ever saw that. Um, yes. Yeah. And you know, he, he loves characters that like he can actually, that, relate to and like he he's really incredible and like has just the most positive energy I've I've met he's he would sit behind monitor and just like giggle and we're like that makes us feel good I guess we're doing a good job because you're laughing um that kind of stuff and honestly like just meeting them and realizing oh this isn't even for any reason than just like yeah you'd be great at this and you liked my work and that was why I got this. And it wasn't ever even a concern or a consideration how I looked. And that was kind of astounding to me, truly. That was that was a really, really big draw. Not to mention, I love a good rom-com and I've always wanted to do a rom-com. So that was exciting. <laughs> and for some reason, music just seems to follow me around. Like I, I always do musical things, even though I'm not musical in my opinion. <laughs> in my head, I'm like, what? But um that, I mean, that was really fun. And I love absolutely everyone on the cast. Like Joanna Lumley is an icon to me and um, Hugh and Shazad, like they're just the sweetest guys in the entire world. Like we had so much fun on set. It was just such a good cast and crew. And I mean, it was, it was so exciting. It was also like fun and quirky. It wasn't your typical cheesy rom-com. It was, it's cheesy in its own way because it's a rom-com, but it's like really British humor, like quirky, dry. And that was really fun for me. So it just drew me in that way. All of it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the amazing Joanna Lumley. I was just about to go there at, at bust. We are so obsessed with absolutely fabulous. Like oh, we knew we wanted to see this, this, uh, film as soon as we saw that you and Joanna Lumley were in it, it's like you know take my money I'm ready um, I was just lusting after the leading men in this movie but the women that have played either your mom or a mother figure to you in your last few films it's kind of a, a very a very mind-blowing uh, <laughs> roster of women so <laughs> as we just said in Falling for Fig Figaro Joanna Lumley from Absolutely Fabulous. She's Patsy. She's an icon. She's there screaming at you, and it's so glorious. Before that, you worked with basically a who's who of Hollywood power blondes. We're talking about Jennifer Aniston, Dolly Parton, Diane Lane, Elizabeth Banks, Michelle Pfeiffer, Bridget Everett, who has been in Boston, who we love so much. And of course, honorary power blonde MC Light, because depending on the year, sometimes she is a power blonde. <laughs> um, the, these are legendary heavy hitters who were all put in mentorship proximity to you. Mm. So what kind of magic and wisdom have you gleaned working with these women that you can share with us? Because it it kind of boggles the mind. Honestly, it boggles my mind as well. Um, not going to lie. And my mom is often like, what? What? Why do you keep working with all these cool women? Like, you always replace me, but never your dad. Like, I, was like, I always joke with her about it. But um, honestly, it's it's, I mean, it's so cool. I, I don't even know what to say. It's been really amazing getting to work with these people that have such long careers and like made some really incredible films, which I really love and admire and shows and, and whatnot. And I think the one thing that I really take away from it more than anything else is their work ethic and their dedication. Like that's, that's number one, honestly. Um, 
that's the one thing they all have in common. And everyone's like, what do you, what, what do they teach you? And I'm like, they, they teach me how you have a long career. (laughs) (laughs) That's number one. Like they are kind to people on set. They, um, they are strong and they have their opinions, which I also really admire because that's not always easy being, you know, a female on a male dominated set. And they, um, and they are, yeah, they speak their mind, but they're also very respectful and listen to ideas and they also listen to direction, but aren't, aren't, share, aren't scared to share their own thoughts and opinions at the same time. But they show up to work. They know their lines. They're on time. Do you know what I mean? These these kinds of things all play a huge role, I think. it's It's like you can't just become this awful person and buy into your own hype and then like whatever, I'll still get jobs anyway. Like, nope, they're on set and they know their lines and they're ready to go and they know how this works. And I'm always very, very impressed by that because I I feel like I learned so much just like watching them, honestly, just watching them get to perform. It's, it's really, really fun for me. And it's, it blows my mind sometimes. Like Sometimes I'll, I'll know if we have to go again. I'll be like, oh, we, we need to do another take because there'll be a weird like out-of-body experience where I'm like, oh my God, I'm acting opposite blah, blah, blah <laughs> right now. Like, insert one of 20 very cool names. and You're just I, like staring at Michelle yes, Pfeiffer's mouth. <laughs> yes, and I'm just like, oh my God, this is crazy. And I'm like, oh my God, I am not in character if that's what I'm thinking. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's just do that again. <laughs> I can't see you that way. And it's, yeah, it's it's just – it's really, really cool. It's um, it's really amazing because ultimately at the end of the day, you also realize these people are just people and they're really just it, – it, it really helps in a way. Like they don't see themselves as these big stars. I think we all do. And then you get to know them on a human level and you're like, oh, you're just a good person. And like that makes me feel really comfortable and I feel like I can just enter this scene with you and be on par and the fact that you're making me feel like an equal – is monumental. You know, I've done enough of these interviews to know that this is not how working in movies work. Like I understand that like you're a little like set family for a certain prescribed amount of time. And then everybody has to go their separate ways and is like, bye. But is it, is there any relationship out of all of these women possibly that have become friendships after shooting was over? Did that ever happen? I mean, out of just like the really, really famous women or – Well, it or, doesn't necessarily have to. <laughs> uh, I mean, Bridget Everett, 1,000%. <sighs> when I see her every single time I'm in New York City for sure. Like, what an icon. She she is an icon. I absolutely love Bridget. I think she's amazing. Her and I also met two years before we started sh- – before we shot Patty Cakes at the Sundance Labs and then she did a comedy show out in LA and I went to see her there and then and then we started shooting. Like her and I were so comfortable around each other by the time we started shooting. It was an absolute joy every time we got to work together, you know. It was so easy to be mom and daughter. Um, but yeah, I would say that like anytime I s- – you become really close with people, yes, and then you do go back to your lives, yes. But it's also really nice whenever you see these people again. Do you know what I mean? Like if you had a good relationship on set, when you see them again, it it does instantly go back to that feeling of like, oh, this is so nice. This is so nice. But I mean, on Dumplin', I'm I mean, I went I went hiking with Odea last week. Like we oh, great. hike almost every week together or not hike. We hang out. Like that's just, you know, that was what we were doing during COVID because that was a way we could see each other. But, um, but yeah, no. And we, I saw Maddie the week before that, Maddie Ballio, who um, talking about hairspray was hairspray live. Um, so yeah, I definitely, some of these friendships really, really, pull over into real life. And that's so nice. Like they're an active part of my life, um, which is really great. And whenever Sid or Mamadou from Patty Cakes, who played Bastard and Jerry and obviously Bridget and Kathy who played Nana, like whenever we're in the same place, I see them without fail. We just live in different states. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's definitely, they, they all really did 
pull over for sure. And that's a really, really nice feeling. And a job I just finished, I literally just shooting a job in Australia. Um, and uh, my co-star, uh, her name's Shalom. You, you wouldn't have heard of her yet, but trust me, you will hear of her. This girl's, this girl's her future star. But she and I, like, we can't, we, we like have to FaceTime every single week. Cause we're like, we just spent the last six months together, like every single day together. Like we, we, this is difficult and she's in a different country. So yeah, I think that, um, some really definitely do fall over into real life and become very real strong friendships, which is really nice. And just, just reassure me, even though I know the answer to this question that like Dolly Parton is a magical unicorn and that she's, she's everything that everyone wants her You're to be. Okay literally every single thing. She's so kind. I met her on a day where I didn't know I was going to meet her, which I felt (gasps) very rude of someone not to tell me. (laughs) Um, I, I was literally about to get on a plane. So they, they just said, Hey, can you come into this house? We just want you to record some, you're literally just going to be talking, but it's just for one of the tracks. And I was like, okay, sure. And then I get there and there's And I was like, okay, I'm getting on a plane afterwards. So I was literally wearing my plane clothes. I was going to Australia. So like really sweats and like no makeup and like hair in a bun, ready, ready to just in and out of a studio. Because for patty cakes, I was in this like little, almost like hole in the wall recording booth thing. And you don't see anyone besides a recording artist. And and I was like, great. So that's kind of what I pictured. And I get there and there's a full film crew filming Dolly there is our writer Julie Murphy who wrote the book um Dumplin was there and I was like Julie what are you doing here what what is happening and then our producers were there and then Jen was there and then Dolly was there and I was like I'm sorry I did not realize this is what was gonna happen (laughs) and then I get in the recording booth they're like yeah you're just gonna sing the chorus and I was like "Mm, I got told I was just talking talking, right? Talking. Cause I, I don't sing. And they're like, no, you're going to sing on the track. And I was like, I can't sing that high. Like I can't sing Dolly's notes. I can't sing period. But like, I really can't sing this. And I, she was um, Dolly was like, Hey, let's, let's give her some space. We don't need all these people. So uh, Dolly was like, let's, let's make this more comfortable. So it was just Dolly um, and, uh, and Jen and um, our music producer, who is also absolutely massive, who, oh my God, I'm blanking on her name right now. I'm absolutely the worst person. Um, she's massive. She's incredible. Oh my God, I'm blanking. I'm so sorry. It's been five years. I'm really bad <laughs> with things. But, um, but we, it was just the three of us. And I was like, you guys are all legends. Like, I don't... I this was meant to make me feel comfortable and this is so sweet, but you guys are all legends and I really suck at singing. (laughs) So it, but it was amazing. Dolly was like, it's okay. You're doing great. You're doing so good. Like she was so encouraging and so lovely and sweet. And there is a photo of when her and I first met and it's really funny because like, I didn't know I was meeting her. So I'm just like, (laughs) my face is just priceless. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's absolutely a magical unicorn and she's so funny. She's so quick. She's so witty. She's so kind. Um, yeah, I did another interview with her and I was like, oh my God, I I can't. After that, after after my first meeting, I actually knew when I was going to see her again and we did an interview together, a Q&A after a screening. And I was like, I, our, the host that was there to, um, you know, ask all the questions and everything he ended up just sitting back and like being like, great, take the reins. And she just took the reins. She knows how to like entertain a crowd and like how to banter. And it's just, she's, she's magical to watch. She's just so fun. It was, it was honestly amazing. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Something else I consistently appreciate about the roles that you play. And I'm going to be very careful not to be a spoiler Mm-hmm. Uh, is that your characters often lose the central battle of their particular narrative, but we we are left with the impression that they win the war. Mm-hmm. There, there that isn't a really good way to put it. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. There isn't one like climactic moment where the heroine is necessarily on top, like when the music yeah. swells. But you know she's heading there, which is 
a satisfying upward trajectory. Talk about playing women who are on their way somewhere, but who aren't there yet, because I like that more. <laughs> oh, I like that more too. Like there's this idea of perfection when it, when we associate it with women, like the perfect woman, how to like be that. And I'm like, we're all flawed. We all have our flaws, like, and not in a bad way. I think flaws are some of my favorite things about people. Do you know what I mean? I, it's, it's just one of those things where we're always changing, evolving, learning, striving to be better. Like, it's just, that is life. And I think it's always going to be that way. We never reach a pinnacle where it just ends. And I think for people that do, it's actually really, really tough because there's nowhere else but but down that sounds really that sounds really <laughs> bad but you know it's funny I actually I watched a friend's movie recently and it it, he, it really touched upon like the depression that um uh well military veterans but also um football players this is bizarre but it merges the two but um that they feel they have this in- incredible kind of high they're they're like doing what they they thought they were like destined to do and then it ends and it's like how do you re-enter life after that so there is almost like a very (laughs) really like it makes you really think there is actually a really difficult thing to um it's to to peaking at a sudden point and then like not like where do you go after that I don't know you know how they say that people peak in high school yeah, you don't you don't want to be that. You don't want to be that. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, we like when it takes time. That's good. It means we're constantly changing, evolving, and growing. And I think that we all can. It's just sometimes if you reach one dream or goal, you kind of just have to like then evolve that into something else, which is which is nice, honestly. There's there's always new things that we we can fall in love with and and dream about new goals and passions and everything. And um, but yeah, I, I love playing these characters that are on their way somewhere because it's also not easy. Life life isn't just easy. It's not just like, here you go on a platter. Mm-hmm. You worked on this for six months, so good on you. Like Sometimes you don't get the visa when no. you make the big break. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes you got to keep working for years and then you'll get a big break and it's like, great. And then still after that, you're still constantly working. It's it's never ending. And that's almost nice to see because it means that you can enjoy the small wins along the way. And like, why can't these small wins be big wins? They are big wins at the time. And do we have to really hit a peak where there's nowhere else to go? Like, it's nice that we keep getting to celebrate moments in life. Um, it feels realistic and it also feels hopeful. And so I love these kinds of stories and getting to play these people that find satisfaction and maybe not being the absolute best, but working to keep finding their love and passion and get to where they want to go, you know? Yeah. Now, Danielle McDonald, I would like to ask you, are you a feminist? Yes. Good answer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's Um, that simple. (laughs) (laughs) How has your feminism impacted your career or vice versa? Um, How has it impacted my career? I think, I think, well, I've, it also comes with confidence, but also that, which just comes with time, but um, speaking up about, my experience, I guess, has impacted my career in that way. Um, Like when I'm on set, I I think one of the amazing things with Jeremy, who was the director of Patty Cakes, one of the amazing things with him was he wrote this character. He's like, this isn't my experience. Like, I don't know what it's like to be a plus size woman. I don't. So he was so incredibly open to hearing what was realistic and like what my experience was and how that impacted the character and how he even wrote it, which was so incredible because that helps you gain confidence and be like, oh, my voice matters. And, you know, it is okay to speak up and do that. And so those kinds of experiences and working with such amazing people like him help you to then have the confidence to go into the next set and be like, hey, this is my experience and this is from 
a, a female's perspective because you wouldn't know that. And that's okay. How could you know that? Like we have different experiences and this is why we should communicate and talk. Um, I'm a, I'm a big believer in open, honest communication. Like if we don't know where someone else is coming from, we're going to put ideas in our head. We're going to get, you know, all wrapped up being like, oh, this is what they think. This is what they think. And then you stop putting pressure and tension and then like a whole thing just, I'm, I'm like, let's just be honest guys. Let's just have conversations. <laughs> it's, it's, let's do that. So, and that's not easy, but I think it, it definitely just comes with time and realizing that that is definitely the best way forward. Um, just having like listening and honesty and respect and trying to understand another perspective that you never have before, which is a strange feeling, but it's something that I do for work all the time. Like delving into different characters. Sometimes you're like, I have no idea how they got from here to here. And you're trying to figure out how this person's brain works because it is different than your own. And so you are living someone else's experience and it really makes you open yourself up to hearing other ideas and experiences. And even if they're not my own, I know what mine are like quite strongly, but at the same time, I'm, I'm always willing to listen and understand someone else's view because they have a different life experience than me. So that makes sense. And it's really nice when you get that back as well. And I think that's how we kind of grow as a society. But um, I also have found that I have um, it's, it's funny because there are a lot more male directors than female directors. Um, and I know that they're trying to change that constantly, but it's funny when you look at my credits, I would say that half the people I've worked with have been female. So I was like, that says something, doesn't it? That <laughs> for everyone I know, they're like, yeah, maybe like five, 10% of the directors I've worked with a female. And I'm like, mine's like 50%. So women are taking a chance on me sometimes where men aren't and that might yeah. have something to do with how I look and well it definitely does and that's okay because that is also something that is changing and evolving and we are getting more voices out there and more understanding and and that's not to say I haven't worked with also some incredible male directors because I have but that's why they're also incredible because they also are feminists and they also believe in equality and they're also listening and understanding. And that's, that's kind of just the best thing. It's the way forward. This is my last question. This is the final question of all of our interviews here at pop tarts. And the question is what you watching. It's a broad pop cultural question. We're talking about movies and TV and music and music videos and books and podcasts if you are consuming it pop culturally, we want to know about it. Danielle McDonald, what you watching? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, okay. So I've been listening to a lot of uh, old school 80s jams recently because love doing that, like rediscovering. That's always fun. And um, I've been listening to Lucy Dacus. Do you know Lucy Dacus? That sounds really familiar. How do I yeah. know who she is? She's um she's an indie artist, but she's amazing. She just did a gig in LA and I just went on Friday and it's she's incredible. So listen to her, Lucy Dacus. And then um what else? Oh, a podcast. I was literally just referred this um yesterday and I can't wait to listen. It's this conversation will change how you it's the Ezra Klein show. Oh, yeah. It's the episode about uh, how your body holds trauma or something. Oh, so, oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's next on my list. Um, I have just finished reading the book Normal People, um, which there was the, the, the show was based on. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I finished reading that and a few other books as well. Um, I just read Julie Murphy's latest book. I love oh, cherry the the cherry something, right? Oh no, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Um, no, this one is cold. Wait, I don't want to get it wrong because then I'm really not doing this well. Um, the the last one that I just read is "If the Shoe Fits." Oh, okay, the shoe got fits, it. Which is kind of like um, a retelling of Cinderella with a plus sized kind of girl it's really it's really fun highly recommend um and then movies shows okay we're watching um 
Survivor just started back up again. Big Survivor fan. Wow. For that. Um, Watching, uh, what's the show? I've been watching Manifest. So have I. I love that show. Yeah, I started watching and I was like, this is just hooking me in. Yeah, it got me. I thought it was going to be terrible. And then I was like, stuck, I'm hooked. Yeah, I know. I was like, this concept's really great. I love a good concept. You know, if you give me a great, strong concept, I'm, I'll, I'll buy it. I'll, <laughs> I'll buy it. Um, and then I've been watching uh, Clickbait with my roommates. A bunch of people were like, watch Clickbait. And so we we literally just started. So I've only seen like one episode. Yeah, but I feel like somebody again, else mentioned that. I need to try to yeah, that out. Fascinating concept, um, which is interesting. And then movies, what have I seen? Um, it's honestly, well, it's honestly been a second. I, I, I think the last movie I watched was Cinderella. Aw. Oh. Uh, the new Cinderella, which I The Camilla Cabello one? Yeah. Have you guys seen it? No, Not yet. Because that's got okay. Billy Porter, right? Yes, it does. And here's the thing. I was like, Cinderella's been done a million times. Like, I'll enjoy it just in, you know, a way that you enjoy something that's been done a million times. Oh my God, I loved it. Like, it's so fun, guys. It's so fun. Um, my friend Maddie was in it, which is why I went and saw it with her and Odea. So um, that was really, really fun. And it's just, it's really good. Like, Camila Cabello can act. Amazing. Yes, which is really cool because I'm like, she's so musically talented and yeah. no one's ever really seen her act. And I was like, Will she will she be an actor too? And I was like, she yeah, yeah, she definitely has the chops. <laughs> like this, this this girl is very, very talented. And it's just honestly really fun. Like it's really fun and playful and it's kind of in on every joke it's telling, but also the music's just really fun and Billy Porter scene is great. And like just I I definitely recommend. It's a fun, it's a fun ride for sure. Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on our show. This hour has just flown by. You're so easy and fun to talk to you. This was great. And I appreciate your career and the the beautiful things that you put into the world. Thank you for being you. <laughs> thank you. It was really great chatting with you guys. Callie and I are going to take the briefest of breaks, and then just she and I are going to come back, and I'm going to ask Callie, and then Callie's going to ask me, what you what you watching? Before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after, consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be, and you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via wolfievibespublicity.com for details and quotes and tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. Essentially, I started it because every female comedian I know was amazing and hardworking and hilarious and I knew would make great podcasts and every male comedian I know already had a podcast and was doing their own thing. Hi, I'm Kate Moldenhauer, the founder of More Banana Podcasts, a comedy podcast network entirely produced, hosted, and led by women. We have shows about politics. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. When the Supreme Court puts stuff on their calendar, they use the word docket. So their Google calendar is a docket. Is a docket. So technically, I have a docket. You have a docket. We all have docket. We all have a docket. Sex? Welcome to my vagina. I'm Jesse Karen. This is Rebecca Frank. What were ancient Greek dildos made of, Jesse? They were made of padded leather and, yep, anointed with olive oil. Yep. <laughs> scams. I'm Caitlin I'm Braddock. Smith. <laughs> and, and we, we love, love scams. scams. She tells them she's a German-Russian heiress, and she seems like she has a lot of money, and people buy it. That's yeah. basically what's happening. So as soon as she got a loan, she would cash it as much as she could out before anybody caught on. Amazing. So smart. I mean, so smart. I mean, it's terrible, but like to take that money out immediately. Because women are actually pretty versatile and funny. More Banana is a network of women's voices, unfiltered and uninterrupted. Find us everywhere you get your podcasts and learn about our growing roster of shows at morebanana.com. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. 
Hey, Pop-Tart listeners. Have you been trying to record your own podcast, but you keep getting bogged down by technical problems? Luscious Logan can take the raw recordings of your show, edit and produce them to give them that rich, full-body sound that you hear right now. If you have a deep need to express yourself and sound good in the process, reach Luscious Logan. LusciousLogan13 at gmail.com. That's LusciousLogan13 at gmail.com. If you want to have that luscious sound. And we're back. Hello. Callie, we just spoke with Danielle McDonald, and she was a delight. I love her, and I feel like she got us one step closer to Dolly Parton. Indeed. Like the, what is it? Seven degrees of Dolly Parton? <laughs> Six. <laughs> I feel like we're getting closer and closer to Patsy. Callie, now is the time in the program where I ask you, because I got to know and I want to know and I need to know, what the fuck are you watching? What am I watching? Well, I started Why the Last Man on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Have you started it yet? I haven't yet, but I know that. Uh, friend of Bust, Amber Tamblin is in it, so I plan to watch yes, it. Yes, exactly. And she plays this, um, she's like a super conservative lady who's the daughter of the president that, well, this isn't really a spoiler. At the very beginning, all the everyone with a Y chromosome, except one guy and his monkey die. Yeah, that's the premise of the whole program. Yep. And so it's based off a comic book from 2002. And what's what I found really interesting, I found this really good article about it on... Um, Written by a trans woman, Emily Vanderwerf, which sounds like a name from um, uh, Gossip Girl yeah, XOXO. Totally. <laughs> it was on Vox, and it talks about um, how the show is going to address trans people. And uh, obviously, like, because we're in a much different time now, more f- gender fluid. And so it, it was a really good read. Um, and it is interesting. They're being very. I mean, because that concept alone is like, well, all the men die, but then how do you address trans and, and intersex people? So I'm going to be interested. I've only saw the first like two episodes so far, so I haven't really gotten to see how, how much that plays out. But so far, I like what I'm seeing, and I like the monkey. Okay. And the guy is really hot, the only guy. He's the... He's the, <laughs> the last man. Yeah, he's the... um. Son of the new president, who is played by fucking Diane Lane. So that's awesome. Yeah. And then I um I watched the Savage Fenty show, a volume of three on Amazon. Underpants. Oh my god, this is what fashion shows should be. The opening dance number was so fucking epic. And there, there was this lady singing Jade Nova. Who was like op- her voice was like operatic, and like the people were just like crawling up the stairs. It was phenomenal. You wouldn't have known it was a fashion show if somebody didn't say, "Hey, this is the fashion show." It was insane. And then Normani fucking destroyed it. She was like in this little red box doing these like insane poses, and then at the end she's like posing on these dudes, just like rolling on the. It's Normani is doing the mostest right now. It was a very avant-garde. It was amazing. Um, and then uh, I just had been visiting my parents. And while I was there, um, my sister had saved for me my favorite children's book from when I was a kid called The Saga of Baby Divine by Bette Midler. It's from 1983. And it's not really a children's book per se. It's a book about a baby um, that's these like... She's born with heels on and curly red hair. And, um, like, there's these three older ladies in New York that, that like, her mom, or Divine's parents are kind of basics. And the kids are, the three other ladies come to visit her and they're like, you know, that she's so special and stuff. Oh, and she can't walk. She can only dance. And then <laughs> she gets in a battle with, like, um, the demon that's like doubt, self-doubt and stuff. And they teach her how to laugh with the demons and the art in it is so fucking amazing. I forget the guy's name now that did it. But um, if you just Google the saga of baby divine, 
get prepared to be blown away. <laughs> and then I also, my sister also saved me from our attic because they had just moved a 1993 Mademoiselle magazine. That is going to have some treasures in it. Well, first off, let me tell, tell you there is a travel article that starts with a P.O. Box address. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I marked it. Hold on. I, it took me like a couple glances to try to figure out if it was like an ad or if it really was an article. And it really is an article about virtual vacations, like vacations that that – go to help things. I'm not, it's very confusing and it totally just opens up with a goddamn PO box. And then there's like the editor's letter, which is smack dab, like in the middle, even almost towards the back. And it started, starts with this. I own 11 pairs of jeans, one white, one black and nine blue. I stopped buying jeans in bulk three years ago. Oh my God. I mean, this is a jeans issue from what I can, um, surmise here but she thinks 11 pairs of jeans is does she is she trying to insinuate that's not a lot of jeans that's a lot of fucking jeans sounds like a lot of jeans to me this it this magazine is insanity and the ads are crazy crazy i tell you i was reading and this the- magazine came out at the same time that bust was born yeah this was only 250 it, it's it's not a, it, the OG busts way better than what I'm looking at here. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, I wish I could like we were in the office so we could all look over it together as a team. I know I miss being in the office with you, boo. because you would have a field day. <laughs> <laughs> no shade on the lovely people that worked at Mademoiselle Magazine, but you should never start an article with a PO box. (laughs) (laughs) That is what I've been watching. What have you been watching? Thank you so much for asking. I have been watching the very hilarious season three. You know what? I've just been watching a lot of season threes of things. (laughs) The very hilarious What We Do in the Shadows is back for season three. It's a compliments of FX on Hulu and oh, I can't wait. It's just the most hilarious vampire comedy that that you could possibly enjoy. And uh in in this season the vampire friends have um very early on in the season they they have a a stunning reversal of fortune where everybody thinks they're going to die but then they end up ruling on the vampire the new vampiric council they they lead it and um you know it's heavy as the head that wears the crown let's just say that and a lot of hijinks ensue um we are now as we're recording this upon the uh the penultimate episode of season three of the circle which oh, I'm very into. Oh, God, yes. I can't wait for this one either. Uh, this this is a reality show that's been on Hulu and uh, is now just wrapping up its third season. And it's a social media competition where all of the competitors are in isolation in their own individual apartments. And they only communicate through a social media platform built just for the show called The Circle. And because they're only communicating through a social media platform, they can be whoever they want. They can be themselves. They can create different personas. They can catfish each other. And so it's the best. It's, um, I love it. And you know why I think I really yeah. like it so much is because it's not really about dating. I've had it's it not. Now. I mean, like there's a little bit of flirting, but it's, you know, it's hard to say if people are flirting just because they want to win the money or because they actually like each other. Yeah. I appreciate something that isn't, Shoving dating in my face. No more dating shows, please. But if you're going to watch people engaged in romantical activities, I endorse Sex Education Season 3, which is also on Netflix. And um, it stars Asa Butterfield and the incandescently lovely Jillian Anderson. um, And lots of other great people. And it just is very forward-thinking and feminist in its ideology when it comes to sexual health and sexual education and 
what people do and do not know about their bodies and their sexualities and their identities because of squares who are in control of the education in our world. Um, and I think it has a lot to say and I enjoy it. And of course, the last thing I've been watching is the majestic pop tarts, Patreon page. Yay. Season three. (laughs) Season three. We really need your help to keep bust alive. And that's the truth. And hopefully you'll be excited by the goodies that we've hooked up for pop tarts listeners at patreon.com slash Pop-Tarts podcast. Callie and I, with help from Team Bust, have been typing up show notes exclusively for Patreon donors that include links to what every guest has been watching for all 118 episodes. We've got totally ad-free episodes. There's exclusive content on there, including our beautiful interview with Big Frida and more. Please check out all of our goodies and incentives and gifts over at patreon.com slash pop tarts podcast we hope that you will sponsor what we do here and at this juncture i would like to thank our luscious producer and sound engineer logan del fuego muy caliente logan and of course our girl gang at bust magazine you can find me on twitter at emily rems and on instagram at rems emily because somebody stole emily rems rude but you cannot find Callie on social media, so don't try, right? No, 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 no. She's just lurking in the circle. I'm just lurking everyone. in the circle, totally. You can email both of us, however. I'm at emilyrems at bust.com. Callie W at bust.com. And you can learn more about this show at bust.com slash Pop-Tarts. And finally, please, if you have a moment... Rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us get the word out, and we super-duper appreciate it. Until next time. Oh, my God, that really alarmed my cats. I love it.